All right, we are going to continue our series. It seems like it's been forever since we started. Uh, we're going to continue our series called Having a Heart Like God with a Life Like Mine. Um, and we're talking about the life of King David. And how is it that as sinners like we are, how can we have a heart like God? God is perfect. So how could I ever expect to live my life with a heart like God's when He's perfect and I'm not? Well, the life of King David is the a great example of how to do that. Now, the life of Christ, obviously, is our ultimate example. The only difference there is Christ is God and He was perfect. We're not God and we're not perfect. However, in the life of King David, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who had a heart like God. So what was it about his life that made that true? And if we look at that and then can apply those same principles to us, then we can figure out how we too, even though we're sinful, that we too can have a heart like God in our life. So we're going to start today. The very first lesson is entitled, David, a regular guy. I think the first thing that we need to get a hold of is the fact that David was a regular person just like us. Now as we go through his life, and we look at these different things about his life, you're going to see a lot of similarities. But before we start, and, and we're basically going to start right at the beginning, where David gets introduced to us. Where does it all start? This has an impact on us because we know where he ended up. David ended up, number one, the king of Israel. He ended up the line through which Messiah would come, and it was the kingly line. David was the one to whom God made the covenant that a relative of his, someone from his line, would actually rule and reign as the ultimate king of the Jews, which you and I both know was Jesus Christ. That promise was made to David. David was one of the greatest warriors that ever lived in the nation of, of Israel. David gave birth to Solomon, the wisest man other than Christ, that ever lived according to the Bible. David began many things in the nation of Israel that were never duplicated. David became a great, wonderful, historic, and spiritual figure. But where did he start? He started just as a regular guy. Just like you and me. So I want you to look at with me. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's start reading in verse number 1. And we're going to meet David now for the first time. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul <coughs> since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? This is interesting, because here it is, the servant of the Lord, the prophet of God is showing up in their town, and they're all worried that he's come to pronounce some kind of judgment on them. They're scared to death. That's why they said, the Bible says they trembled and said, 
did you come here in peace? I mean, is this a good thing you're here, or are we in trouble? And of course, Samuel replied in verse 5, Yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. By the way, Eliab was Jesse's oldest son. He was the firstborn in Jesse's family. The oldest, obviously the heir to the family. He would have been, from all outward indications, the obvious choice. Okay? So that's who this guy is. <laughs> Look at verse 7. A key verse in knowing the heart of God. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. By the way, that didn't mean that God didn't love him. That just meant he's not the one I've chosen. Okay? So it sounds a little harsh, but it just meant he's not the right one. Okay? The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Okay, let's stop right there for just a second, because this is the key to having a heart like God with a life like ours. We've got to learn what God looks at, because what God looks at is different than what people look at. And in Christianity, over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, however long, even I mean, I guess it goes all the way back to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We have had a tendency to judge and to evaluate people's spirituality based upon what people look at outwardly. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever in your heart made a judgment about someone, evaluated their character, and made a judgment of what you thought they were like, only to find out that you were way off. Maybe your judgment was even a little bit critical, only to find out there was an extenuating circumstance within this person's life that caused that to happen that you didn't know about. And when you found out about it, we felt about that big. Because we really didn't understand. Well, I mean, don't beat yourself up over that. We all do that. But what are we doing? We're looking at the stuff that man looks at. If we're going to have a heart like God, according to 1 Samuel 16, 7, we've got to learn to look at the stuff that God looks at, not what man looks at. So let's keep going. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, and had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he went and had him brought in. He was ruddy and a fine appearance and handsome features. 
By the way, you know what that means? That means he was a baby face. That's what those terms mean. He was a good-looking, baby-faced kid. That's what he was. He wasn't rough and manly. He looked like a kid. And he was the youngest in the family. Notice what God says at the end of the verse. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And Samuel then went to Ramah. Interesting. David's just a kid. Not only just a kid, he's a baby-faced kid. He wasn't a kid that matured early. You know, he's not the kid that walked around at 14, 15, 16 years old with a full beard having to shave and looked like a man and, and big and tough and rough. He wasn't like that. <coughs> he was ruddy and handsome in appearance, meaning he was kind of a baby face. He looked like a little kid. Now, what is it about this story that we are introduced to in the life of David that helps us to understand we too can have a heart like God, even with a life like ours? I'm going to give you four things. They're all on your notes. They're very simple. But there are four things that we've all got to come to grips with. Things that God looks at. Things that God considers important that help us know we can have a heart like God. Number one, God had a plan for David's life. And God has a plan for your life and for mine. The Bible says in chapter 16 and verse 1, I'm sending you to Jesse, the end of the verse, of Bethlehem, I have chosen one of his sons to be king. David hadn't been anointed king yet. He's still out in the field taking care of sheep. God said before he ever sent Samuel there, I've already chosen him to be the king. I've already got a plan for his life. We could go throughout the scripture and talk about people like Jeremiah, where God said before he was ever formed in the womb, God already had a plan for his life. He was to be a prophet to the nations. We could go to Moses. And find that God had determined and ordained Moses be the leader of Israel. We could go to the life of the Apostle Paul on his way to Damascus as Saul when he met God on the road to Damascus. And God said, I have chosen you to represent me. All throughout the scripture, we find the principle that God does not create human beings by happen chance. God has a plan for our life. The first thing you and I need to understand about being just a regular person like David was, is that we are important to God and God has a plan for your life. If God's got a plan for my life, you're going to see as we go through this series, one of the things that makes my heart like the heart of God is that I am as interested in God's plan for my life as He is. That is a heart of, like God. I want to live my life and do with my life what God intended for me to do with it. Not, I don't care what God wants me to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. Okay? That's very simple. And any regular person can want that. So first of all, God had a plan for David's life. Second of all, look at chapter 16, verses 2 through 7. God was interested in David's heart, not his outward stature. And we read the verses in verse 2. Uh, Samuel was worried about Saul killing him if he went. God told him what to do. He got there. First person he sees is the older son. From all physical appearances, he should have been the one. How many times have you known of someone that God used in a mighty way in maybe your own life or the life of someone else 
who was probably the most unlikely candidate of anybody you could think of that God would use to help you with something. I could name dozens of people like that in my own life. I'll start with my own brother, Bobby, who at the age of 11 died with leukemia. Probably one of the first people God ever used in my own life to impact me was, and I don't mean to be crude, but it was my dead brother. God taking my brother home early probably has had as big an impact on my life as any single event or person in my whole life. Very unlikely, because at his funeral, I wanted nothing to do with God. I got saved two years later. Very unlikely. Someone would, from the outside would look and say, God took your brother. God let your brother die. Why would that have an impact on your life for God? Because God intended for it to. So God doesn't look at the stuff we look at. There may be some of you sitting here today, and you're thinking, I could never be used by God to do anything that's important. Let's first of all ask ourselves, what do you define as important? You know what most of us think is important? Something that is high visibility, high recognition, and affects lots and lots and lots of people. Do you know that if I had a brother who was lost, and God used you to lead him to Christ, and I saw him in heaven because you led him to Christ, and that is the only thing you ever did in your life for God, it would be the most important thing that you could have ever done in your life to me. How many people did it affect? One. How many people knew about it? Probably not many. What kind of recognition did you get this side of heaven? Probably none. But was it important? Sure it was. Think about someone you love right now that does not know Christ. Suppose you went home this afternoon you got a phone call that a friend had come by and talked to them and led them to Christ. And maybe that friend works some menial job, paid by the hour, lives in minimal means, but they led your loved one to Christ. Is that important? Sure it is. So we can't look at what, God, what man looks at. It's got to be what God looks at. So first of all, David's just a regular guy. But God had a plan for his life. And God was looking at his heart, not the outside. Number three. I want you to look at this because this is really important. And by the way, you'll see this throughout David's life as a key to why he was successful. In verse number eight, the Bible says, Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Now go down to verse 11. So Jesse asked, Are these all the sons you have? No, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Do you know where they were? Samuel had called them all to a feast to sacrifice to the Lord. They were all gathered together around Samuel, the prophet of God. They're all together. They're all meeting with Samuel. Where is David? He ain't there. What's he doing? He's out in a field somewhere 
taking care of the sheep. I grew up on a farm in Tennessee. One of the jobs we had to do, we, we raised, among other things, black Angus cattle. We had about 20 head of cattle. One of the things we used to have to do, especially in the wintertime, was go to the barn at night, fill the, the hay troughs with hay to feed the animals. I can promise you, it was neither glamorous, fun, and it smelled horrible. David is out in the middle of a field somewhere taking care of sheep. Now, I don't know why David was the one doing this. The Bible doesn't tell us. All I know is that he was. It could be he was the youngest. I mean, hey, if Samuel's coming to do something important, surely it's not going to involve the youngest. He's a kid. He's too young. He doesn't have the experience. It's probably not David. But I want you to notice, and this is the key, David was faithful in his current responsibilities and duties. You will find when we start to study the life of David, this same character quality keeps coming back over and over and over again. The one time in David's life where he committed major sin, you know what character trait he had a flaw in at that time? This one. Remember when he committed adultery with Bathsheba? The Bible begins the chapter by saying, at the time when kings go forth to battle, David stayed home. His responsibility was to be in battle with his army, and he shirked his responsibility and stayed home. All through his early life, one of the greatest characteristics he had was that he was faithful to his responsibility until that day. And the moment that he let down his guard and didn't fulfill his responsibility, that's when he got into trouble. You know, one way you and I can have a heart like God and just be a regular person is just be faithful to the responsibilities we've been given. Anybody can do that. You know what delegation is? If you manage people, you know what that is. You know what responsibility is? If you say that person's responsible, here's the simplistic definition of responsibility. I ask somebody to do something, and I never think about it again because I know it's going to get done. I never have to worry about it. Because every time they're asked to do something, they always do it, and they do it well. You know what the definition of irresponsibility is? You ask somebody to do something, and you worry all night and all the next day and check up on them a hundred times. Because they never do anything you ask them to do. That's irresponsibility. You know how to have a heart like God? Be responsible in what God asks us to do. Now, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's difficult. But it's the right thing to do. David was chosen because God looked at his heart. When we get into the story of David and Goliath, which will be a couple of weeks, David's older brothers were in the army. When Goliath came out, where did they go? Behind a rock. David came out and said, it is the responsibility of the armies of Israel to defend the name of their God. Why are you guys hiding behind rocks? You're not fulfilling your responsibility. David said, I will fulfill that responsibility. Yeah, but David... 
He's too big. Doesn't matter. It's my responsibility. Yeah, but you probably won't be able to win. Doesn't matter. It's my responsibility. He was responsible. So how do I have a heart like God and just be a regular person? I can be responsible to do what God asked me to do. And then the last thing, number four, chapter 16, verses 12 and 13. This may be the foundational key to everything in David's life. Verse 12, so he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy, a fine appearance, and handsome features. So Samuel, the, the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He's the one. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. By the way, what do you think that was like? Little brother is now anointed king of Israel in the presence of his brothers. I mean, most of you know the story of Joseph and his brothers and how that went over. Not so good. Now remember, this is happening prior to Goliath. So remember, this has got to be in the minds of his brothers when he shows up on the battlefield. Okay? So keep all this in mind. So he's anointed in the presence of all of his brothers. But I want you to see, here's the key to David's success. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. You know the key to having a heart like God when we're just regular people? Is realizing that anything good that comes out of my life is totally and completely and 100% because of God. And it has nothing to do with me. It is God's Spirit and God's power and God's working in my life that makes my life valuable. And God can do that with anybody. All He needs is somebody to surrender and say, you can do it. Do whatever you want to do. I'm yours. When God puts His Spirit on someone and God uses you, you can't explain it. It's God's power that does it. Okay? So David, he's just a regular guy. God's got a plan for every one of us, just like he had for David. That plan needs to be important to me. If it is, then I'm having a heart like God. The second thing is David outwardly didn't appear to be great. You don't have to be great and have all these outward talents. God will use anybody. And then the third thing just be faithful. Whatever God gives me to do, just be faithful. And last of all, remember, anything good about our life, it's all God. It's not us. So, I do what God tells me to do, and the results don't come like I think they ought to. Well, I don't have to worry. That's not my responsibility. That's God's. It's my responsibility to just do what God tells me to do. He does everything else. So, David's just a regular guy. Just like us, we can have a heart like God if we realize that. Now, next week, we're going to look at the second half of chapter 16, building up to Goliath in chapter 17. But next week, we're going to talk about David using his talents and abilities for God. And you're going to see that not only was this baby-faced young boy young and baby-faced, but he was very musical. And God used that musical talent in an unbelievable way. And there are some great principles in that little story with Saul that we'll bring out next week that will help us more understand how to have a heart like God. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you that as simple as we are, 
we can look at the life of David and know that just as regular people, we can have a heart like yours. Thank you that you have a plan for our life. That it doesn't depend on our outward talents, appearances, and abilities. That you love us no matter what. That you've called us. And ultimately, it's your power that works through us. All we have to do is just be faithful. So Lord, help us to be that this week. And as we continue to study the life of David, give us a heart like yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, everybody, have a great week. See you.